0: Welcome data enthusiasts. We are Zuma, the recruitment agency focused 100% on data tech professionals in the Berlin region and this is our podcast Data for Good connecting you with all things data. Today I'm joined by Arunab Singh. He is Head of Data at Eigenzoner. and if you don't know, Eigensonne is the Berlin-based solar energy provider a scale-up born in 2017, already with a strong analytics team and capability. Aru, how are you going today?
1: Great. It's been a very good start to the week. I will confess to your uh, listeners that I am actually based in Tuscany, Italy, although my employer is uh, obviously a German company based in Berlin. We have a uh, um offices or at least corporate entities both in Germany and Italy and I'm actually based in in Tuscany so I get the best of both worlds in that sense
0: you really do and uh, yeah it's a little bit of a tease to hear that you're you're talking to us from Tuscany uh I knew already of course and that probably speaks to uh the flexibility that Eigen's Honor, uh offers its employees so another another positive point um and today as head of data, uh, a topic that's interesting to you is uh, experimentation in the product analytics field. And I'm hoping and looking forward to you giving us an, a full overview of uh, of this area, generally speaking, the pros, the cons, um, the risks perhaps, uh, what it should look like, what it could look like. Brilliant, love the nodding, good, good. Okay, well, let's get into it because many of our stakeholders and listeners uh, will be really interested. Give us an overview as to what experimentation in product analytics is.
1: Okay, so this is a broad area, especially now. I would say that the way it. This is not meant to be a comprehensive answer, but I see product analytics as comprising of three different components, essentially, at least in a modern uh, technology-driven organization. The first one is thinking of our business as a product. Now, in some cases, that is really obvious if your business is the product, as in if you're like Spotify, for example, but also for non-traditionally product First, organizations, it could be like us, we sell and install solar panels, but there is a product component to it, both on the tech side and also the way it can be thought about in terms of analytically approaching the business. The second hmm. pillar of that is about breaking down complex uh, business problems into smaller chunks, uh, identifying metrics and KPIs and even potentially more advanced statistical tools that might be relevant to making decisions or driving the business forward, et cetera. And last but not least, taking a experimentation and product-led approach to business development more broadly or company growth as well, which is, hey, uh, we have a general idea of where we want to go. Can we sort of break down that into smaller chunks uh, let's say we want to grow in a particular market or grow in a particular direction, if you have a mobile app, et cetera, uh, to break that down, to come up with success criteria, and as far as possible, run experiments. And if you're not able to run experiments, then at least measure the progress along the way so as to say whether you're doing well or not. So not everything has to be always very advanced, not everything has to be super quantitative, although those are nice to have, but the main thing is to have a structured and analytical way of thinking and working with the, uh, across the organization to make, at least I would say, more intelligent and effective decisions.
0: That certainly was a comprehensive answer and thank you very much for that um structured and analytical approach will definitely go into that thanks for sharing those three components um and yet to your final point about it about taking an experimentation approach so is the suggestion there that this is business-wide it's not just your analytics teams it's the business as in sales operational personnel okay interesting Okay.
1: Absolutely. I think that is where uh, the approach adds a lot of value, because analytics teams are essentially, the way I see it, a component to make the rest of the organization make cleverer or more effective decisions to generate insights. And sometimes we do it ourselves, but sometimes we enable the other teams to do it directly as well. So that is where I would say is to try to unlock the value across the whole organization. Hmm.
0: Okay, in, in case we have any business leaders or business led co founders, as is often the case across our network, in case we have those slightly less data focused people listening or viewing, could you just give us a quick um, case example as to experimentation into product analytics? And we'll, we'll use that, maybe we'll use that example throughout.
1: Okay, uh, so I'm guessing you would want an example from Eigenzona in that case.
0: Uh, up to you, up to you. It's just to okay. kind of put yeah. it in context for the listener or the viewer.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So uh, for example, at Eigenzona, it is important for us to obviously uh, convince our customers to or potential customers to buy our product. And uh, in this case, install solar panels on their roofs if they're already interested so we call those customer potential customers leads and it is about trying to convert those leads as effectively as possible so an important component of that from a business point of view is to uh, find out early indicators why a potential lead might be interested in buying our, our product aka installing solar panels breaking that down analytically so let's say you can in in this case, we can build a relatively simple uh, uh, machine learning or even a statistical model around trying to predict conversions and then taking decisions, sales decisions based on that. For example, for each particular uh, potential lead, there might be a certain probability that a lead might be interested in buying our product or not. And being able to model that with a reasonable degree of accuracy would be a very, very sort of bread and butter kind of a problem that we try to tackle almost every day as part of our business. That can be done, obviously, with very heuristics-based approach as well. That By the way, as an example, leads in particular parts of Germany or uh, households that have a bigger roof are more likely to buy solar panels. That's not particularly surprising, but there's also more... Uh, analytically rich findings that can emerge on it in terms of combinations of different characteristics and being able to predict with some kind of probability uh, whether a particular lead is trying to convert or not. The implication primarily for business is not in terms of cost saving directly, although that can be an implication. The implication directly is that being able to tease out uh, people who are actually interested in our product and be able to offer them the best service upfront because let's say a sales representative their time is quite valuable so the better quality leads you give them in order to be able to make a decision or be able to chase those leads in terms of talking to the customers etc the better it is for the customer experience and ergo the better it is for our overall business
0: yes i want one thing uh... Benefits or leads to another. I, I wanted to ask about that. The thanks for sharing that contextual case example, essentially about uh, lead conversion or yeah, increasing those conversion rates. You mentioned about user experience. It strikes me that they are they are both benefits. I wanted to ask you maybe about other benefits, whether that be around efficiencies or or back on the sales around
1: churn. Absolutely. So, I mean, in our product directly, churn is not a huge uh, scenario because you're installing a physical product. Probably you're going to use it. It's going to be on the roof for, I don't know, a decade or more. But let's take like a more subscription-based example. I don't know. Uh, Mm -hmm. Let's say you are some kind of video streaming company without naming any. Then churn becomes an incredibly important part of the business because, the earlier indicators of churn that could be user inactivity that could be content more than others or not watching them etc are incredibly useful it is very very costly uh, from uh, uh, an operations point of view but also it is costly from a marketing point of view to be able to reactivate customers so the more credibility you have in building stronger predictive models around which of your existing customers are likely to churn, the healthier your business is likely to be. That is kind of an external example. For your second, to the second part of what you asked. For us, let's say more specifically, uh, it is individual sales representatives that uh, deal with potential customers, let's say on the phone or on the chat client or over email or whatever technology one might use. In that case, their time is quite finite precious and also their skills are precious. So the Mm. better match we can have of those sales reps to customers that are most likely to buy from us or who are most interested or who, let's say, have the strongest propensity to buy or convert into a successful conversion rather than just a lead, the better our matching tends to be around serving our potentially best customers. And Uh, There, it is simply a matter of operational efficiency that we don't, let's say, need to hire as many sales reps, or they could be actually spending more time with the individual customers actually making sure that their voices are heard and their needs are serviced rather than uh, going through a list at random, they have a much more targeted list on who they want to talk to and engage with uh, going forward.
0: Interesting. Okay, so the... uh... You're optimizing the time in this case of salespeople, as well as other operational efficiencies like their success ratios, their, their ability to consult effectively in what they do. Yeah, there are so many, yeah. so many benefits in those. We've only really looked at sales. Are there any other benefits, or any other operational, operationally beneficial areas?
1: Uh, so sales will be one thing, but uh, related to that is also marketing. So I mean, you can sort of drill down and see which channels are performing better than others. That could be among the big sort of online providers. But also if you're trying to uh, acquire leads through external partners and or if you feel that certain regions are performing better than others, then the market effort, uh, marketing efforts can be tailored accordingly as well, which is, um, I would say, a huge part of the process as well. Last but not least, I, and I would argue this is pretty important as well, quite frankly, it is fantastic for employee morale that if we are able to make sure that mm. our staff is more engaged on not just problem areas, but with potential customers who are, much more likely to engage with us and develop a longer-term relationship with us, it affects morale. I mean, it obviously boosts uh, engagement with work. It uh, makes sure that they are happier with their job and they stay with us longer and perform more effectively. So uh, there is pretty widespread data on this across organizations and industries that uh, particularly uh, in customer facing teams but more broadly as well more engaged employees are more likely to stick around
0: mm, mm. morale yes yeah, such an important topic and and logically I, I totally get it if you've got product designers and product managers working on new product features and a B and experimentation has been done to help direct them positive outcomes if you've got marketers who are determining which headlines are, you know, which headline to use on a landing page and which of them is going to generate more clicks. They're more satisfied. And then the salespeople that we mentioned, their success ratios would lead to more job satisfaction and hopefully more uh, retention. Experiments, you know, just looking at the word experiments don't come without their risks in the analytics area what risks do you see um on the same areas and 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 how risky do you believe them to be
1: so the classic form of uh, online experimentation is something called a b testing although that's not always the case there's different variations on that in the Mm. bread and butter bread and butter version typically a randomly selected group of users is chosen to uh is exposed to one kind of an environment or a different one, and their behavior is tracked over time. Let's say environment A has a green button and environment B has a red one, and you track their engagement with the website or clicks over time, etc. That's a typical way of doing it. So as you can imagine, there is obvious risks and there's less obvious risks. The, The obvious risk, obviously, with running something like this is Technically, it's not always easy to set things up. And by definition, one of those experiment groups will be getting the quote unquote better version of the product than others. So making sure that you mitigate that experience is important. For the sake of experiment also, the users cannot switch the groups during the middle of an experiment. So once again, just by design, one group is getting a worse customer experience mm-hmm. than the other. So there is that obvious built-in risk with online experiments. Let's say it's similar to randomized controlled trials in medicine where only one group actually gets the medicine and the other one gets the placebo. So uh, it, there are obvious uh, pitfalls with doing something like this. There are other uh, downstream risks as well. The, the important uh, one sorry, is that technically... Uh, the...
0: Sorry, Aru, as obvious as they may be, if we spell it out for people, you know, the potential to lose customers and lose revenue, damage to the brand, okay, that those kind of uh, monetary risks. Absolutely. Okay, I interrupted. I do apologize. Please continue.
1: Yeah, and also there are non-technical risks. Uh, or sorry, non-business related risk as well. So in fact, like you would need to set up your infrastructure that the users can be divided randomly. That's not always the case. It might not even be legal to be able to do it. And there are regulatory concerns depending on the product or the industry where that may or may not be possible, et cetera. La- last but not least, uh, one of the risks is how do you evaluate success? And there, some of the, Uh, risks are technical and some of them are not so the obvious technical risk can be oh how do you for example come up with a good success metric so for example if you're trying to boost uh, conversions then that's relatively easy but let's say the experiment results in higher conversions but lower retention for one of the groups how do you weigh those trade-offs and those not are not always sort of Mm. clear-cut in a mathematical sense when they go in different directions, and there needs to be some kind of a judgment call or uh, predefined heuristics or basically some way of breaking the tie or quantifying the damage that is being done in one case versus the other that is important to agree upon up front as well uh, because things can often go in different directions. To Mm. sum it up, We get a lot of learning from experiments, but that learning comes with a cost to customers and also to our own business, because half or at least a fraction of the user base is getting the suboptimal experiment or experience. We just don't know which one. So uh, uh, there are these risks that need to be weighed into uh, or taken into account before running any kind of experiment. Hmm.
0: And you'd hope that the, uh, the group that had been at a disadvantage Perhaps there's an opportunity to, to make it better for them, retrospectively, Absolutely. admittedly. We, yeah. we focused more on the uh, customer there. How about risks internally? You know, I, I mentioned earlier sales teams, you mentioned marketing teams, other operational teams. How, how about comp- competing interests or competing priorities? Have you seen any of, I, I mean, not just to... Th- um, theorize have you seen any of these risks play out in in any organization you've worked for
1: sure I won't take names of the organizations but uh, they're obvious uh, let's say there's a few scenarios that I can think of that have happened uh, either I've seen directly or indirectly very very closely so the first one for example is engineering so by definition, you need to engineer two environments, design two environments, at least two. Sometimes you need multiple experiments or multiple versions of the same experiment. That slows things down. You need to test. Engineers need to test different environments, make sure that the back end and the front end can support it, et cetera. So in sometimes it ends up being double the work. That's not always trivial. The mm. Another risk for the organization, uh, which is important for evaluation for businesses as well. Let's say that you divide users across groups and give them two different kinds of experience. Then one of them is likely to perform better than the other. At least it's quite, at least that's the hypothesis. In that case, uh, how do you manage the relationship with the, let's say, the product manager or the business owner or the sales representatives who might be dealing with the worst performing group? Because their performance might decline, and it is known that it might decline, but it might still be used against them in their overall internal assessment as a employee, for example. So those factors need to be taken into account. And most importantly, not uh, be counted against them. Experimentation is how we learn. And in this case, a uh, quote unquote, worst result on surface is actually a better result in the long run because we will know which process will perform better than the others over time. Mm. last but not least a huge risk is time and uh let's say that you have a website in which case it's pretty fast like you know you can implement things pretty quickly you can start seeing the results of the your canonical red versus green button tomorrow but let's say that we are in the business of providing loans for example and uh, checking two different versions of Um, let's say, uh, loan-related conditions to different kinds of customers. Loans are repaid over a long period of time. It might be months, it might be years. So essentially, you're sitting around waiting for the data to come in after six months while one of your groups is actively being given the worst performance. We just don't know which one at that point. So this is a risk for the overall business that how do you trade off the quote-unquote worst performance in the short run versus the learning in the long run, when it is clear that at least one of the groups will perform badly than the other.
0: Interesting. Wow. Yeah, so many considerations there. Okay, we've looked at the benefits, we've looked at the the risks, and potentially how to overcome those, or, or at least be mindful of them. How about some of the frameworks that might be adopted business-wise or analytics team-wise to deliver experimentation?
1: Yeah, so the classic way is what I had said for many online businesses, they do this A-B testing, which is essentially a version of a randomized control trial online uh, and analyze the metrics over time. There are variations on that and there's a ton of literature available uh, both online and you know in books as well which uh, mm-hmm. essentially is derived from a branch of economics called econometrics and there i will throw out some common techniques that are used such as uh, rdd regression discontinuity design or using mm-hmm. instrumental variables or difference in differences which is among my personal favorite did regression essentially what they what all of these techniques do is that they try to take advantage of some natural variation between the two groups. And instead of uh, the two groups being randomized, they try to take advantage of this variation that can be tracked over time. And you can get to an inference as well uh, that can be statistically significant and meaningful. The It mitigates some of the risks with A-B testing that you're actively kind of firstly, setting up a separate environment and uh, obviously exposing one of the groups to a worse outcome, whatever that might be. But it also takes advantage of historical data you might have on the existing groups of customers and uses it cleverly as well. So uh, a, a discussion on that, a different... Um, Essentially, econometric techniques will take hours, but it is quite commonly used in uh, in in practice. And essentially, causal inference techniques are used to tease out the variations between the two groups to be able to come up with a judgment around which per- particular uh, treatment is likely to perform better than others on a group of users. Mm.
0: Mm. So it seems like we're... Um, um finding ways just in that approach to mitigate the risks i wonder if if agile or even design thinking have similar consequences in in reducing or mitigating that risk what what do you think about that from a experimentation standpoint
1: absolutely so what i mentioned were more kind of technical uh, methodologies to come up with that but eventually essentially agile or design thinking sits um, at the core of it, which is that the idea that we only learn by performing experiments. And there's different ways you can set up the experiment. There's different ways you can analyze the results of the experiment. But eventually, if you're not an agile organization in this kind of a setup, you will probably struggle to run experiments in the first place, whether they're natural or whether they are something mm. that are engineered within your product. More importantly, and maybe this is what you were hinting at, this needs to come from the leadership itself of any organization that the the learning from experiments, especially around making bigger changes to the product are lies at the key of developing the business and learning more about our customers, learning more about ourselves. And without this learning, it is difficult to distinguish success by design versus success by chance, or failure by design versus failure by chance as well, as the case may be. And if we are unable to do that, then at some point, we start running out of road.
0: Interesting. Okay, very interesting. Okay, thank you for sharing that, RDT, Instinctive, was that one of them? And did difference and differences, um, as well as a B testing or and a style of being multivariate testing. I think you were describing any other frameworks that you would you might recommend or suggest, or even commonplace?
1: One uh, quick correction is uh, instrumental variables rather than instinctive ones. It's IV is instrumental variables. Some other uh, frameworks that are a bit more advanced and uh, harder to implement from an engineering point of view but uh, statistically very solid is something that is called multi arm bandit that's quite commonly used in video streaming and i think the likes of amazon etc use it quite extensively as well where essentially uh, they try to mitigate the fact that one or multiple groups are getting a worse experience at the beginning so The intuition behind it is that when you divide the users into groups and perform them or give them different experiences, depending on how the results start to percolate in, the uh, experiment is somewhat self-correcting. Is that the better performing group takes an increasingly higher share of the user base so you mitigate the experiences of the worst performing mm-hmm. group to get to a point of statistical significance essentially so uh, it is called mab multi arm banded approach again mathematically it's fairly advanced but there's a lot of uh, organizations that uh, that use it personally i will confess in this case i have not implemented that myself so i am by no means an expert on that but uh, uh, it would be fantastic to have the chance to do it sometime
0: well i'll ask you lots of questions about it no not at all absolutely my
1: answer will be intellectually honest (laughs) i don't know
0: (laughs) okay very good very good okay well on a serious note being uh clearly someone that's passionate about this area and and even an expert in um, experimentation what advice might you share whether it be about those frameworks guidelines or even the mindset of teams adopting an experimentation approach?
1: I think my advice can be summed up in three uh, bullets. The first one is experiment a lot, experiment often, but make sure that there is wide agreement in the organization that not every experiment yields the desired results. That's the nature of experiments is that one of our hypotheses or more of our hypotheses is likely to be proven wrong and that's a, that's okay that is not a bug that is a feature of an experiment that you're trying to rule out what doesn't work as much as you're trying to find what does work the the second one is when designing the experiment spend a lot of thinking time with different uh, kind of business stakeholders in the organization but also the analytical frame framework on coming up with good success criteria and how the experiment should be designed. Because my thinking with this is that think slow, act fast, as much as possible. Spend time thinking about the edge cases, spend time thinking about what you're trying to measure, its second order impacts, et cetera. Because nothing kills the credibility of an experiment than changing the goalpost or the methodology in the middle of an experiment. So spend a lot of time sparring and thinking about it early so that there is confidence in the results, not just in a statistical sense, although it's nice, but also in a human and personal sense that no, we have spent a lot of rigor in trying to come up with this, and this is how we want to approach this. Last but not Mm -hmm. least, build future experiments based on the results of the current one. So that's essentially how we learn. So it is about, let's say, you find one way of converting users better than others, then try to refine that going forward. Retrain your model or build a further experiment that based on a successful result you've already done so that you can raise the bar forward. Essentially, this journey is never complete. It's almost everything, like you had hinted earlier, is quite agile and is based on a design thinking more loosely is that we have solved a bigger problem. Now, can we solve a chunk of the one that comes up as a result of this one? Can we try to find more insights going forward as well? So this is a journey that will never end. And it is important that uh, both the leadership and also the rank and file staff employees understand that this is how we will always continue to learn and develop our product and our business. It's not that one day you will come to a point that, okay, we no longer need to experiment. That almost never happens in any successful organization after a certain point.
0: Three great pieces of advice there. I wonder if, um, as a final piece of advice, I'm conscious of time. But a final piece around communication for our business leaders, founders, um, data leaders. What could should be said about communicating, particularly the results of experiments across the business? You know, with there being positive and negative out outcomes from those results?
1: So I have two things to say to that. The first one is, as much as possible, communicate that this is our standard way of developing products and businesses, etc. And some results are likely to look better than others. And that's just a part of the process. That doesn't mean any team has failed. That doesn't mean any individual has failed. That just means that we have discovered some new insights that were hopefully lacking before, essentially. And there should be a degree of in equanimity around that across the whole organization. Related to that is at least when it comes to decision-making, especially from the senior stakeholders, et cetera, or the senior leaders, it's nice to have fancy charts and T-testing and Z-score and logistic regression and all of that, but try to keep as much as possible in the appendix. Like the The, the median employee is not interested in that. The median employee is interested in what was the question, how did we go about solving it? And what was the result of the experiments that we ran? And what are essentially the implications for them and their role on a day-to-day basis? The statistical firepower is for the analyst and the Uh, product managers, for example, to have confidence in the experiment, it is not meant to showcase to the rest of the organization around how good your team's statistical knowledge is. That is not how people are convinced. People are convinced by good stories, which should be backed by data, but that doesn't mean that every detail needs to be shared because then you start losing the people along the way of telling that story.
0: Aru, succinct throughout, you you obviously feel quite strongly about these kind of uh, frameworks and philosophies and yeah, really great to listen to. I, yeah, I can only conclude by saying a big thank you, really appreciate your insights there. I've taken notes throughout, hopefully other people will, and I'll have to think of another topic to get you back on the podcast.
1: My pleasure. Um, And uh, I'll also let you know next time I'm in Berlin, maybe we can have a beer. Otherwise, you're always welcome in Tuscany.